Hello and welcome to the Dorm Room Dispute Podcast. I am Mitchell Kaminsky. How is your week going, everybody? The White Sox, number one in the American League Central after knocking off the Tampa Bay Rays. So I'm doing well. How, how, how are you people? Your week can't be going much worse than the Philadelphia 76 <laughs> Let's start with that. So, on Monday, the 76ers have an 18-point lead in the second half. Mind you, they have a much more talented team than this Atlanta Hawks. Uh, name how many All-Stars the Atlanta Hawks have on their team this year. Zero. Uh, let's see. Let's name how many players have won uh, Rookie of the Year on the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, zero. Uh, Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, zero. The 76 have a much better roster. They just do. <laughs> they blew an 18-point lead on Monday. And after the game, you know, Clint Capello was talking to the media, saying, like, well, you, you know, when you wear Joel Embiid down, he gets tired in the fourth quarter, and that's what happened. Joel Embiid, he was an ofer in the fourth quarter. Could not hit a buck. Terrible game. And you know, in today's day and age, you know, unless you're living under a rock, when someone says something, it's going to come back to you. Like, it'll, it comes around. Joel Embiid, he, he, he's, he's on social media. He hears this stuff. Oh, it got back to him. So you knew, as soon as he said that, I was driving home uh, from Stocks and listening to late night radio. Uh, and you, you heard that quote from Clint Capella after the, after the uh, the game. And it's like, oh, oh boy. You knew what was going to happen. Joel Embiid was going to come out guns a-blazing in that game five to prove, like, oh, well, you, you're going to say I get tired? Well, you know, take this. And it was so predictable what happened. Everyone was so shocked about this comeback. I didn't turn it off after halftime. You, you could see this happening. And, of course, what do you know? Joel Embiid comes out that first half. He, he, he cuts 24 points. He's pounding in the paint. Oh, he's really trying to stick it to it. Yeah, I'll show you, Clint Capella. Even the 76ers Twitter. They're like, oh, yeah, look who's tired now. Uh, with this, this petty tweet they had. Um, it's funny. It's like, all right. I mean, we can see this guy. Oh, yeah, it goes halftime. Halftime scores 62 to 40. And they go, is this where we're supposed to feel tired? Well, let me compare. You know what this this second half and this collapse was uh, likely to? It was like, that second half was just like the first time I took an edible. And and, and the last time, back in my more uh, scandalous youth days. But anyway, so they have these, these brownies out there. And they're like, well, you're only supposed to eat half of them. Me not knowing what I'm doing, I was like, yeah, I'm kind of hungry. I'm going to eat a full one. I'm not listening to it. Like, it's strong. You can't eat a full one. I'm like, ah, it's a placebo effect. I'll be fine. They keep telling me I can't do it. I was like, I'll show you. I had a full one. Like, oh, this isn't going to go well. And what do you know? After 45 minutes, I'm fine. It's the same thing. It's like, oh, is this where I'm supposed to, you know, is it supposed to kick in? I was right. It's a placebo effect. Doesn't work. Just like this, Joel Embiid in that first half. He goes out there to try and stick it to him. <laughs> he, he's going all out, which you, you, you should. But he blew so much energy in that first half. And you could see it coming in the second half. You could see it coming. And it was the same thing. Everyone was like sitting there watching. Just the, the signs were there. This is, a, this is not going to end well. The way they started playing, it started getting a little careless in that third quarter. He even had Doc in a timeout saying like, hey, we're trying to build habits here. Stick to it. Stick to it. I, they got lazy. A lot of Ole defense, lazy screens, settling for bad jump shots. 
Joel Embiid didn't even want to go in the paint anymore because he was gassed. And it's the same thing that happened. All of a sudden, these hawks start coming. It's just like when I took the edible. All of a sudden, it starts coming up, and then, bam, it hits you like a freight train. Next thing you know, I have half a brain cell left spinning around on a chair, making an ass of myself. It's terrible. It's terrible. I made a fool of myself. It's embarrassing. Complete. It's just like the 76ers. Embarrassing. Complete collapse. And Embiid looked tired in the fourth quarter. They hit him like a truck. And then the, the whole team, the whole team, because not only would he not go to the paint where he should be, because when he's down low, no one's stopping him. It's barbecue chicken. No one's stopping him in the paint. It's a lot easier to stop Joel Embiid when he's settling for jump shots, as he did a lot. He was terrible in the fourth quarter. Terrible. See it coming. Just like we took that edible. Everyone could see it coming. I, mean, I could, anyway. I, I don't know why so many people were shocked. Blew a 26-point lead. Now, also, let's not... Let's not forget, because at least at least Joel Embiid contributed, you know, to his team. Uh, you know, he he had 37 points, so let's not knock the man too much. Meanwhile, the the co-star of this team, Ben Simmons, he's coming out saying like, "I need to be more aggressive in Game Five. I gotta be better. Gotta be more aggressive." His version of more aggressive is shooting four field goals, two for four, for eight points. That's what you call more aggressive. The man looks like a scared puppy out there. He is playing with no confidence, and I don't listen. Ben Simmons is not a bad player. I think if you surround him with four shooters, he could be a sufficient player because he can get into the lane, he can score inside, he's a good passer, but he has no confidence in his jumper. He's scared to go to the free throw line, and it's something he hasn't worked on. Back in 2017, he was asked about the hack of Ben Simmons strategy. He's like, well, they're not going to be doing him much longer. I'm going to start knocking it down. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! Last night in the fourth quarter, Doc didn't even put him in the game. He, he was he was like oh well, you know we don't want we don't want Ben going to the free throw line it's beginning to become a problem, and this is after a couple series weeks or uh, a couple last series he was saying well why would I take Ben Simmons out in the fourth quarter he's the best player if you if you know basketball you would know you keep Ben Simmons on the floor and then all of a sudden he's admitting like yeah maybe we don't keep him on the floor like they have a guy named Shake Milton on the floor in crunch time instead of your your, your point guard supposed to be the star of the team terrible oh and let's not get tobias harris off the hook either because he's getting paid a lot of money here to be your third star he is robbing this team for 30 million dollars and he had four damn points i'm not even a sixers fan but i would be pissed if I, i'm paying this man all this money where the hell was he yes seth curry is dropping 36 points and he kind of looked like his brother in this night 13 for 19, shooting 7 for 12 from 3. He had a phenomenal night. He has 36 points against the Hawks. That's a game you're supposed to win. If Seth Curry's doing that type of damage, you should win that game. And, you know, I'll give the Hawks credit and everything for coming back, but it's a, it's a joke. Like, that is bad. I mean, you might have got your coach, who now leads uh, all active coaches in the most 20-plus point uh, leads blown in a playoff game. You know, last year with the, the Clippers... They blew three double-digit leads when they were up 3-1 to one and had a chance to close out. Now, an 18-point lead blown and a 26-point lead blown. <laughs> and that game was never... Like I said, like I, I never turned it off because like you could kind of see it coming. It's just like... It, it, there's so many things wrong with this team. It's so frustrating to, to watch because they're a more talented team. Like, not, no, it's not knock on the Hawks, but like... I'll give credit to the Hawks for credit's due in a second. But, like... Like I said, how many All-Stars do the Hawks have? Zero. 
Meanwhile, the Sixers over here, look, Ben Simmons claiming he's some great defender. Oh, I should have been defensive player of the year. Well, why don't you make a damn stop in crunch time? Like, someone stop trying, like, ugh. Two games in a row, Trey Young's come up and he said, I'm not, we are not losing this game. But <laughs> you're the 76ers, boy. You know, you can accept when Ben Simmons is rookie year, he has the one-point game against the Celtics, you lose. All right, you can accept that. Now, you can even accept losing in a game seven to Kawhi Leonard and that lucky shot that rattled it. Uh, you, know, well, you know what? And they even lost to a very good Boston Celtics team once again in, in the semis. But you lose to the Hawks? The Hawks in the second round here. With the talent discrepancies between the two, I'm sorry. There's got there, you're gonna have to look yourself in the mirror, Philadelphia, and say something's not like we we need to reevaluate something. Ben Simmons might need to go see a sports psychologist during this offseason. Cause I mean, he's a t there's talent there. You can see the talent. The man that that size that can move like him and ball handle with the passing ability and he can finish inside, but. He is scared to shoot a jumper. Like, you watch all these videos in the offseason, and he's stroking threes against these scrubs in the YMCA, and then it doesn't translate to an NBA floor. And the free throws are mental, too. He looks up there, he's like, you couldn't get a pen up his ass with a jackhammer. He's tight. And you can see it. It's a uh, sad state of affairs. Now, for the Atlanta Hawks, I will say this, and I was talking about John Morant in that first series. Trey Young's become the same way. He is now a star in this game. Like, he had, he, Trey Young, it's time to give credit where credit is due there. Uh, he has been playing phenomenal. He had 39 points last night, and he willed that team to victory. Uh, and honestly, it really shouldn't come as a shock. Trey Young was built for this. You can see it in the Knicks series, too. He embraces this villain role. He plays great on the road. He's unfazed by the playoff pressure of playing in front of road fans. And... When you think of it, because looking back at it, it's like, wow, where did this come from? It shouldn't come as a shock because Zion Williamson in college, was he was a star before he even got drafted. ton of media attention. Before Zion, who was the last player to have that type of hype heading into the NBA draft? It was Trey Young at Oklahoma. He was the most watched, talked about player in the country. Oklahoma didn't even have that great of a year. They made the tournament strictly because of Trey Young. Because I'm pretty sure the selection committee's like, well, we want to give Trey Young. That was a Trey Hawk bid, Trey Young bid. There was NBA games in the middle of the week, and you would see NBA players tweeting about the Oklahoma game that Trey Young's playing in instead of the NBA games that are on TV. ESPN has primetime coverage be an Oklahoma game. I remember that season well. So Trey Young's used to this. The spotlight we followed him in college, he is used to the big moments and. Uh, now he's coming to the NBA and he is thriving under the spotlight because he already went through it in college. And I think that, you know, that says, says, says something. There's a lot of players that, you know, it takes a couple years to get used to it. You look at Ben Simmons, he's shrinking under the pressure. Trey Young's embracing it. And that's what I love about this team. The, the Hawks play fearless. They don't care. It's like they have nothing to lose. It's like, yeah, we know we're the underdog. But now they're starting to play with some confidence, too, after they've just come back twice. Heading back into Atlanta, I'm, I'd be worried if I was 76ers, man. That's going to be tough. So good luck to them trying to get out of that. But, uh, yeah, it's a fun. it's been a fun series over there. Now, the other performance, and the, the game game six is tonight in this uh, 
Bucks uh, Nets series. So by the time you're listening to this, there's a good chance this game is completed. But uh, as of we're taping this, they're they're ready to play Game Six. I don't see the Bucks uh, winning Game Six, even if it's at home. I think it was a gut punch the way they lost. They blew a big lead too in the second half with uh, no Kyrie Irving and James Harden had three points that game. He was basically a shell of himself. Now this is why I hate super teams. This is partly why I hate Kevin Durant too because I think he kind of robbed us of something in his career selfishly when he he snaked everyone <laughs> and teamed up with that pylon team over in Golden State and now he's in that this pylon team with the big three in Brooklyn. Like I really wanted to see him. By himself. See, yeah, here's the keys of the franchise. Carry this team to the promised land. What we saw in Game 5 with him and the Bucks was like his signature performance where it was the first time you really saw him facing a team that was better than him. Like, they, he was outmatched. They were outmatched. And not counting the OKC game. But the first time he was like a star by himself and that he needed to carry his team to a win. Because in the playoffs, they outgunned by this Milwaukee Bucks team that was much better than them without with the injuries and considering the circumstances. And he rose to the occasion. That was like a LeBron on the Cavaliers type performance. That was so fun to watch. Just like elevate to another level. And this is the Kevin Durant we could have been getting if he if he wasn't with all these super teams, I feel like. And the fact he could stay healthy. But I mean, that was as impressive as a performance you will see anywhere. A whole nother level, the way he took over that. Now, you're the you're the Bucks. I would think you'd send a double team his way instead of having poor P.J. Tucker try and guard him the whole time. P.J. Tucker thinks he's some tough guy. He's, you know, he talks a ton of... He talks, he talks a lot of trash. He's getting in everyone's face. He's like, dude, you're getting torched over here, all right, man? I mean, I appreciate the confidence in Zuti, but I might, I might shut it a little bit because Kevin Durant was cooking him all night. God forbid they send a double team to help him. I mean, I'd rather... You know, let Blake Griffin beat me on a couple three-pointers than <laughs> Kevin Durant. <laughs> he was playing. That shot with the shot clock inspiring. Woo! Mercy. But that's the Kevin Durant we could have been getting if he didn't tie along with all these pylon teams. Because that's what it was back in the back in the day. You know, each team you have like your one one or two stars and you can really showcase your talent. And that was that was fun. I wish we'd get more of that. And I don't even like Kevin Durant that much, but man. And to quote him when he was watching Dame Lillard, it was a religious, a spiritual experience. Uh, but yeah, so good for him. Bucks in trouble. Budenholzer's he's getting he's getting fired. I'm pretty sure after this year. I mean, after losing once again. Uh, and when you when you start blaming Giannis, does he get a little bit of pressure going along the Ben Simmons thing? He fumbled the bag late in that one. They got they gave him a pass and he slipped out of his hands because he was going up too quickly. And you could tell in the back of his mind. He was worried about getting fouled. He did not want to head to the free throw line. It's once again, he, he it's getting to him. It's a mental thing. Then late in the game, too, he has James Harden, Mr. Olay himself. James Harden couldn't stop a nosebleed. Like, the, the Bucks were going through him all game like shit through a goose. Just blowing right by him. And Giannis, the seven-footer, has the beard on him. One-on-one. There was no help coming on the baseline. And he settles for a turnaround jumper instead of taking him to the rack. Once again, because I'm pretty sure he thought late in the game, yeah, they're going to definitely follow me, and I'm going to have to go to the line and shoot too, and I don't want to do that. It's a mental thing. And they, This is why Steve Stone, 
White Sox broadcaster, he made this point for baseball, and I think it can go a lot of sports. And baseball especially, because baseball really is such a mental game. Like, you, you fail more times than you succeed. Like, a hitter, you, you succeed 30% of the time. You could be a Hall of Famer throughout your career. You're hitting 300. You hit, three, you hit the ball three out of ten times, you have an excellent career. You're in line to win a batting title at that. Uh, so he was saying, because you, you struggle so much, such a mental game, like, every team should have a mental coach on the roster because you have a coach for your body you have a strength and conditioning coach why don't they have a coach for your mind and how to handle stuff and i think that would be a great idea for a lot of these teams too a psychological coach on the sideline some like a sports psychologist because ben simmons clearly needs one Giannis, i think could use one there's a lot of players in this league margo folds too when he was with the 76ers there's a lot of players in this league i think could benefit from having one and no teams are investing in it, and I think that is the way of the future. Yeah, yeah, I think teams should start. If I was running a team, that would be one of the first things i do. Hire a good sports psychologist to be on my sideline. Because it would be so beneficial to a lot of these guys. You can see in the playoffs, guys wilting. Yeah, they can't handle the pressure. Or there's something about it, they got the yips. Sports psychologist on the sideline. Mental health coach. Think think that could be beneficial. Um Moving on. Other series, the uh, Clippers and the Jazz. Uh, playoff P reappeared. Now, a lot of people were saying he needed it to, you know, after he needed to have like a Kevin Durant-like performance in that one for them to get a chance. Everyone thought it was going to be a blowout. Uh, I didn't think it would be a blowout. You know, there was no pressure on the Clippers in that one. In Utah, with Kawhi Leonard getting injured, it was one of those games where it's like, well, you know, we're not really supposed to win. We're just house money, so you get a free shot at him. But it was really unfair to, to have Paul George say, like, oh, well, you know what? You're going to need to put up a Kevin Durant-like performance. Like, Kevin Durant is one of the, the top 15 players of all time. Paul George, I'm not even sure, is a top 15 player in the league at this point. But he turned back the clock. It was Indiana Paul, uh, and he, he played great. You know, the Jazz shot the lights out in the first quarter. It was basically a shooting gallery. They, they opened a little three-point contest up there in Salt Lake. Bogdanovich could not miss. Clarkson was getting in on the fun. Uh, and Paul George kept him close. I mean, at halftime, when you saw it was a five-point game after how well the Jazz shot, shot uh, it was like, oof, man, Clippers still hanging around here. They, you, do, you realize they have a pretty good chance. Now, I still stand by. I think the Jazz are still winning the series, especially if they win game six. The Jazz win game six. They're not going back home to lose again. But Mike Conley would really help in this scenario for him. I think they were kind of missing him uh, late. And I don't think Donovan Mitchell has that bad of a game yet either. I mean, he had 21 points, which isn't terrible. But, um, you know, that's the, the one of the first games he hasn't scored 30. So uh, that, that's also partly why they, they lost there. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Tough news for Kawhi Leonard, though. And that's the last, last NBA topic I, I want to talk about here. Like I said, I still think I'm, I'm going Jazz and seven uh, here. But uh, the Kawhi Leonard got hurt, and then uh, Chris Paul, he's out with the COVID and everything, so that doesn't really count as an injury. But LeBron James has an interesting tweet uh, blaming the league. He said, I knew this would happen. I told you so. They rushed us back, and that's why all these star players are getting hurt. And now it's starting to seem like a weekly. LeBron... You wouldn't know I'm LeBron James because I feel like I have to preface this every week. Because I've been criticizing him a lot lately, and it pains me to do it. I'm about to buy tickets to his movie. But first, he disappoints me in the playoffs. 
with a, a stinker where it's just hard for me to justify that he's the best player in the world still. He still is. I stand by it. I stand by it. He had the ankle injury. He's still the best player in the world. But uh, it's making it very tough. Making it very tough for me to say that. But he is. He is. I stand by it. Still the best player in the world. Uh, then he changes his jersey number to number six. So now all my 23, I got a Lakers 23 jersey. Useless. Yeah, I got to go buy a six one. To, to keep up with it, but at least I got a championship out of the 23 one. Anyway, as of now, you know, I'm like, oh, LeBron, come on. Now my jersey's out, out, out of date. And then he has this tweet here, which I, I could not agree disagree more with. It's like, okay, so yeah, maybe they did rush him back. Like, Donovan Mitchell's injury was probably from fatigue because they're, 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 they're working him a lot. Like, it's like a, asking a pitcher to throw, like, 250 innings a season. Like, yeah, okay, you're eventually you're going to get Tommy John surgery. You're overworking around that much. I think that's what happened with Donovan Mitchell. But you look at all these other stars getting hurt. All of them have, like, Kawhi Leonard missed a full season with some phantom knee injury. Now, I'm not saying this one is. I, I heard he might have torn something. But, I mean, Ka- Kawhi Leonard, low, Mr. Loadman, he misses a lot of games. Mr. Load Management himself. Missed a full season with the Spurs with some phantom injury. So he, he misses a lot of games. Uh, then you, you, you look, Anthony Davis. Well, another guy. Hurt a lot with Pelicans. He's always hurt. Mike Conley. He's always hurt, too. He's been hurt since 2013, it seems like. So that, that that's another one. So, like, yeah, all these stars are getting hurt, but you look at all the stars getting hurt. It's guys with an injury history. And... I don't know what you'd want the NBA to do. Cancel the season? Like, they did the best they could during that pandemic just to put on a season because LeBron would be the first one in line being pissed if they didn't put on the rest of that playoffs, I'm pretty sure, because his Lakers were, were, were in a chance to win the title, which they did. And by the way, I didn't hear him complaining when the Heat were missing Dragic last year in the finals and, and Bam Adebayo after they, they made them rush back after that long layoff and then ramp things back up in the bubble. Like, there's no complaints there. So, I mean, like, yes, did short turnaround, and you're asking him to play a lot? Yeah. Yes, you are. But, like, I don't know what the alternative would have been. I thought, that considering the circumstances, the NBA did a great job with, with the COVID and putting on the rest of that season. And they had to get this season started eventually, get everything in. And you look at the guys getting hurt, it's the usual suspects. Like Anthony Davis always has an injury history. LeBron was dinged up. He's getting up there in age. Like, so it doesn't even point. But I don't think it's the time to be like, "Oh, I told you so." Just looking at the like the circumstances, it's like it's not the right time. To like, and what what do you would you just have him cancel the full season? No, you can't do that. It'd be detrimental to the game. So I have to disagree with him once again. I'm really hoping his the Space Jam movie's good because I want to be back praising him again. Like I do, it it hurts me. It hurts me to rip my guy LeBron. It really does. You know, one of the best passing uh, big men for his size of this generation, basically the Magic Johnson with a better score. The three one comeback. That's what I want to be talking about. No gold chains. But uh, yeah, he's made it hard for me these past few weeks. I, I assure you, though, I still, still do it. He still. All right, a little NFL. Hey, we, we we discussed this a bit last week. I heard something interesting from uh, the Commander in Chief Matt Nagy, head coach of the Chicago Bears, the press conference. Uh, he was asked uh, if uh, Justin Fields had a shot to start week one. And what he said was, uh, no, nope, Andy, Andy's our starter. Uh, unless, basically, it's a word salad. Every time he talks, he basically gets up there and he filibusters 
for about 15 minutes, just throw some words at you, hope something sticks. But uh, he essentially said that, like, yeah, Andy Dalton's our starter week one. There's nothing Justin can do to change that. Unless Andy Dalton gets hurt, uh, then uh, he, he's going to be starting week one. Which, like, to me, if I'm a coach, even if you did promise Andy the job, maybe your plan is to make Andy the, the starting quarterback. Which is fine. I have no problem with you trotting out Andy Dalton week one. But to give no possible avenue for J Justin Fields to be the starter, like it, it just seems kind of silly. It's like when you take a final, you're taking a final that you you know, you look at your or your grades, you do the GPA like the, the final grade calculator. What do I need to get this? And you say you have like a middling B in this class, and there's nothing you could do to get an A, and all you need is like. Bare minimum, you just got, got to get like a D to pass it. You're not going to study very hard for that final. You got other stuff to worry about. Like, you're not motivated to try. It's like, well, I can't get an A in this class. Why am I going to try heading into this final? My grade's probably not going to get much worse. I can't make it better. I know where I'm going to be at. I'm not going to try. And I'm not saying Justin Fields is going to do the same thing, but he's human. It's a psychology thing. He's heading into camp. It's like, well... He just took away that competition aspect. I think it would be beneficial for him thinking he can go in and win the job. You might be motivated to work a little bit harder knowing like, hey, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Because right now, coming in is like, well, I'm going to be the backup no matter what. What's forcing him to push the issue? Like, competition breeds excellence. If you let him think he's got a chance to win the job by going out there and competing every day, you know, he's going to be pushing a little bit harder. And I'm not, this is not me saying he is not going to try. No, he's like I'm sure he's gonna be giving his best effort, but like that little psychology in you, you're gonna be pushing a little bit harder, thinking you have a chance to win the job. So then for me as a coaching standpoint, that makes no sense. And I'm worried that Matt Nagy might ruin this kid. Because you look at some of the stuff you look at the track record here with this team. Um they they brought in all these kickers. How'd that work out? They had these stupid drills, the Augusta silence, you know, they had these his spin charts on the, the wall. Uh, you bring in all these kicks. And how did that work? That kicking circus ended with Cody Parkey being the kicker and him donking one off the upright. And then you have the whole Trubisky carousel at quarterback. Uh, you, you know, Trubisky's our guy. And they bench him with folds and they bring him back. How did that work out? It was, it was a disaster. Then they had him having to fire himself as the play caller. Literally fire himself because it wasn't working. You had a game against the Saints, I believe it was 2019, where they came in, they're like, we need to run the ball more. It was off a of bye week, too. Like, we're going to establish the run. That is our game plan. It was on Walter Payton bobblehead day, too, no less. Well, the first two runs, they averaged four yards a carry, and they completely abandoned it. They had four rushing attempts that game. Four. Completely went out the window. They got smoked in that game. Didn't trust the game plan. Like... There's a real fear that, you know, he has a plan. He wants to do the the whole Alex Smith starting thing. But there is a real fear for me that they might ruin this kid. Because the track record's not good. And so I'm not giving him the benefit of the doubt. Until I see it. Yeah, so we'll see how it goes. Um, but I would, I think that's dumb to go out there and be like, yeah, he has no chance of winning the starting job. Like, even if you do, like, and I don't disagree with saying like, yeah, let's start Andy a little bit, let him watch and learn from the sideline. If you think that's beneficial to him and Andy's truly the, like, he's not ready to play week one, fine. That's fine. 
but it is clearly better. And the other the other 51 guys in the roster are looking at this and saying, like, why are we handicapping ourselves? We can clearly see Justin Fields is the better quarterback. He looks ready. Why wouldn't you play him? And Nat Nagy even said, like, well, Justin will tell us when he's ready. What if he tells you he's ready in game two of the preseason? I don't know. Don't know. Don't like it. Don't like it. Uh, we're going to end with it. A big story in the baseball world here. It kind of really took the headlines. They were MLB is cracking down on the foreign substances. Now, a couple years ago, Trevor Bauer was asking people on Twitter for ways to increase the spin rate because spin rate makes the ball move more, makes it harder to hit. And they found if you're using a stickier substance, like spider tack's the most popular one, use the rosin, you know, the old Vaseline ball, the longer your fingers stay on the ball. I've become kind of a pitching nerd as of late, writing a lot of these articles. This is something that fascinates me. But like, the longer your hands stay on the ball, before you release it, the more spin you're going to get. So when you get that sticky stuff, you can hold it looser in your hand, and as it's coming forward, it's going to stick longer, and then you're going to extra spin. You get a higher spin rate, makes it harder to hit. Spin rates have been up across the MLB. There's been the you know mix of rosin and sunscreen on the arms. You see guys going to their gloves. So the NBA, excuse me, the MLB was finally like enough. We're cracking down on it. No more foreign substances of any kind. Sticky tax or super tax, spider tax is the most popular out of all of them. Uh, but like yeah, they're like not not only we're just banning spider tax, banning the rosin and sunscreen, any foreign substance that's mixed. You get a ten game suspension. Ten games. Well, a lot of pitchers are complaining about this, and all of a sudden you've seen the four-seam fastballs uh, spin rates plummet. Batting average has gone up since they announced this. But there's been some pitchers complaining. Most notably was Tyler Glass now. And I was at a start. There was a great game on Monday night, a premier pitching matchup. Tyler Glass now versus Lance Lynn. Uh, and Tyler Glass now is cruising. He was pitching very efficiently. All of a sudden, after the fourth inning, he leaves the game. He's got forearm tightness. So right before you could kind of see him like moving his forearm around. And he blamed it on not being able to use anything to help his grip. He said his start against the Nationals, which at first, like in theory, he's like, okay, you're just complaining that you can't cheat. But when you listen to his argument, I think he makes a well-thought-out, intelligent case. Because he said in his start against the Nationals, he came in there cold turkey. I'm not going to use anything. And because he had to get used to it, uh, he had to like grip the ball harder. He had to move it closer to his hand and grip the ball harder, which is putting more stress on his arm. Send his fastball because it's going deeper in his hand. So he's gripping it harder. It's putting more strain. He said that was the first time. And he pitched good that game, too. He said it was the first time that, uh, you know, I, I woke up sore the next day in place I didn't even know I could be sore at. First time, that for, first time that's happened. Then he comes in his start against the White Sox. Same thing. Doesn't use a grip. And all of a sudden he's feeling it. He's feeling it. And next thing you know, he, he's got elbow inflammation. He's going to have to miss the rest of the year. Most likely. He's going to be rehabbing again. And he was pissed. He's like, well, I mean, it's kind of hard to say you're going to take away everything. You just throw it on us in the middle of the season. Which I can see why the MLB is trying to do it. But, like, I feel like there are some things, like sunscreen and rosin, just to help you get a grip on the ball. I don't think it's that big of a, like, I would be fine with that. Like, despite, I think there should be some substances that are allowed and some that are not. Because, like, there's some stuff you just need to help you grip the ball. Which I, I'm totally I'm fine with that. And Carlos Rodon came out, made a good point, too. Carlos Rodon, obviously. He's got a little bit of clout now. They still a no-hitter. He's got the second lowest ERA in the American League. So his opinion's carrying a little bit more weight these days. He's like, well, you know, the Astros, they didn't get anything. I will pull up the, I'll pull up the quote here. He's like, you're not going to spend the Astros. You're going to spend us. That's kind of that's kind of uh, bullshit, I guess. Here, I'll pull up the quote right now. Um, 
colors for dying here. Uh, he, he says, and I'm quoting, The way I look at it is, it's hard to see this when you're giving out 10-game suspensions for cheating. But you give the Astros no suspensions at all. So, I mean, if Rob Manfred can look at himself in the mirror and say, Hey, I'm doing the right thing, that's fine. You can't suspend the team that you actually knew was cheating during a playoff game. That's on you. And I agree. It's kind of a double standard. You're not going to spend the Astros at all. You're going to slap down all these fines. And I, I can understand. And, like, he and Tyler Glass now said the same thing. It's not that they're banning substances, but, like, there's some substances that just help the pitcher grip the ball, give them better command of the pitch where the pitchers are going. And if I'm a hitter standing in there, too, I would want that. I don't want a pitcher not knowing where their 99-mile-an-hour fastball is going to know. You look at the damage that can do. Yeah, I'm not signing up for that. Like, yeah, maybe they want to get a little bit better grip on the ball. By all means, please do. That's how I feel. We'll we'll see how it goes, though. I mean, it's tough. I hope I hope there's not more arm injuries. There's been so many injuries in baseball this year. Jacob Degrom, all of a sudden, he's had to leave two starts early. I wonder. It makes you wonder too. It's like, well, maybe he was using it for the grip because that's two starts in a row. He's had to leave early, so you're getting kind of concerned about him. He's been the best pitcher in baseball this year. David Degrom could be the MVP this year, honestly. You need to make a case for that. But uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I want to end with, uh, if you don't get the chance to watch Lance Lynn, you know, you're a casual fan, I implore you the next time Lance Lynn is pitching for the White Sox, tune in that game. Even if you're not a baseball fan, the man is must-watch television. And he didn't even pitch that good the last game. His last start he had against Tampa Bay Rays. He quality start. Six innings, gave up three runs. The mannerisms, the body language, and the um, conviction this man pitches with is unmatched by anyone else in the game. He, he does this thing where he, I think sometimes he'll intentionally get runners on base just so he can do it. But he gets a big strikeout, he turns to the center field like camera, he lets out this big scream, like, ah, and then there's like, unloads. The man yells out obscenities like no other big MFR. <laughs> or, uh, the best was he called uh, Freddie Galvis after struck him out. He's walking with the dugout, yells out, quote, uh, slap dick motherfucker. Which, I mean, he came on a radio show saying it was because, uh, he thought Freddie Galvis was trying to get a catcher's interference, but he, he I don't even know who's yelling at. He's like that one buller who's like, who do you think you are? I am. <laughs> I, he's almost like he's just making up someone in the crowd, like yelling at him. But he'll, he gets his, he, when he gets late in the game, he makes a big strikeout. He always does some great, uh, you know, celebration, fist pumping, MFing as he stomps off the mound. He'll make a strikeout. He'll lift his hand up like he just hit a three-pointer, kick up some dirt. Grab his nuts subtly. It's like, oh man, you gotta look like really. Lance Lynn is uh, must-watch stuff. We gotta get this guy in the All-Star game just so we can see him swearing on national television and be electric. That hoss needs to be there. Uh, big, big Lance Lynn fan over here. Well, that's about all we have for you on this one. Thank you so much for listening. Let's hope that. Like, I, you know, I, it's not that I have anything against the Hawks, but come on, the 76ers. Like, this is. This is kind of this is kind of pathetic. You better get you better get get your stuff together. Uh, figure it out. Figure it out. Figure it out quick. Um, that's all we have for you. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful rest of your week.